0: This is the On The Banks Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at OTB underscore SB Nation. Now, here's your host, Lance Glynn. Hello, everyone. I am, of course, your host, Lance Glynn, and this is Episode 8 of the On The Banks Podcast. If you don't already, you can follow me on Twitter at Lance underscore G11, and you can follow On The Banks on Twitter as well at OTB underscore SB Nation. Also, if you want to listen to any of our previous podcasts, you can find them all at OnTheBanks.com and by going to SoundCloud.com and typing in the search bar OTB underscore SB Nation. I will be joined by former Rutgers guard and current WNBA star Erica Wheeler in a little bit, but first I want to hit on a few things I took away from Rutgers Football Media Day and talk about some recent women's basketball news. First, Coach Ash, in his press conference, mentioned how he could potentially make a decision after this Saturday's scrimmage regarding the quarterbacks. Now, it's a three-horse race between Gio, Art Sitkowski, and Jonathan Lewis, with belief from many that Sitkowski could be the guy's true freshman. Naming a quarterback is obviously the biggest decision that this staff has to make in the offseason, and if it is Sitkowski, I think giving him full reps with the ones for a full two weeks before the first game would obviously be very beneficial. I'm sure leading up to the announcement, Coach Ash will not tip his hat with who he will choose, but I think he is more comfortable with this quarterback room as a whole with the three guys to choose from than he has been in the previous two seasons uh, that he's been the coach. Second, Coach Ash mentioned that he is pleased with the depth this team has and that while some positions might still have some concerns, he likes the overall depth of of the roster. Specifically, he mentioned the skill positions offensively and how the tight ends, running backs, and receivers have a lot of capable and talented players to work with. In past years with Coach Ash, this has not been the case, but with Washington Stewart and Vokalek at tight end, a quartet of talented backs in Hillman, Blackshear, Pacheco, and Snead, and the growing group of receivers led by Bo Melton, this offense has weapons and has the ability to really spread the ball around. You know, it's no secret that John McNulty wants to make this offense more dynamic through the air, and these weapons will make it much easier for him to do so. In women's basketball news, Rutgers recently gained a commitment from former Ohio State guard and grad transfer Sierra Calhoun. The Brooklyn, New York native comes back home to play her final season of college basketball. She averaged 11.6 points per game last year for the Buckeyes and brings great experience, not only winning, but also in the NCAA tournament, as she's obviously played in many with Ohio State. This was a big pickup for C. Vivian Stringer as, again, it brings so much experience and so much talent to a team that's obviously losing their leading scorer in Tyler Scafe. This will help the Scarlet Knights scoring-wise, shooting-wise, offensively, defensively. She's really the total package. And hopefully with her coming back home and, and playing one more year at Rutgers, it'll help bring great success to this team and possibly an NCAA tournament berth here on the Banks. Now, let's talk to the coaches. Here's your host, Lance Galen. She was a staple in the backcourt for the Scarlet Knights from 2009 to 2013 and now stars for the WNBA's Indiana Fever. I am pleased to be joined by former Rutgers guard Erica Wheeler. Erica, thanks so much for coming on the On the Banks podcast.
1: Oh, Of course, man. Happy, happy to be here. Happy to be talking with
0: you. So, Erica, let's start all the way back at the beginning, right? You're about to announce your commitment out of high school and you choose to leave your hometown of Miami and come to New Jersey. Why ultimately was Rutgers your decision uh, to spend your four years?
1: Well, ultimately, uh, University of Miami was my own decision. I committed, I think, my 10th grade year, and um, I was all in until, um, you know, I opened it up a little bit to, you know, to see what other schools, you know, what they had to offer because Miami is all I knew. And, you know, opened up my offers. But it was just different. It was just uh, real special when um, Coach Springer came to my house and, you know, talked to my mom and, you know, through the process of meeting everybody and just, Laying everything out, and um, my mom just, after the whole thing, my mom was just like, you know, talk about this lady, you know, not just about basketball. She wants you to be, you know, a woman. She's going to teach you etiquette. She's going to make sure you graduate. So it's not, it wasn't just about basketball. And not to, um, you know, throw any shade to any other colleges, like nobody was really talking about, like, education. They, was, they were saying that their school was, you know, top of education, but when Coach Springer came, she was just like, we're not even talking about basketball. We're going to talk about your daughter getting a degree. And for my mom, that was number one. Basketball was number two. Getting a degree was number one. So when she came with that, it was just like my mom was like, I'm going to let you make the decision, but I have a good feeling about her. And, you know, I had a good feeling about a coach, you know, just coming in just having a conversation with me. First off, she's a Hall of Famer. You know, anybody would love to talk to her. So that home visit was uh, good. And then when I went on my uh, visit to Rutgers, it was just like a family. Like everybody welcomed me with open arms. And, of course, everybody – Every school would probably do the same, but it was just so special because it didn't feel forced, it didn't feel fake, and they were real. You know, like most people would go to the a five star restaurant you visit. I told at, at the time Coach Pointer was the coach. I wanted assistant coaches, and she asked me what I want to eat. She was like, "Look, you're gonna eat what you're gonna get here if you commit here in four years." <laughs> so I told her, "I'm like, well, what I like to eat is McDonald's. You, I, you know, I like to." Eat don't <laughs> losses, real losses. Every over four years, I don't want it. So she was just like, you know what? I can dig that. I was like, so if this McDonald's that I'm gonna get, we would go to McDonald's. So we went to McDonald's, and everything was just real. It was nothing fake. They, they didn't, sell, they didn't sell me any dreams. She didn't say, oh, you're gonna have a starting position or anything like that. She didn't say any of that. She was like, you don't have to work hard for everything that you, you get. And I just, I'm not gonna hand anything to you. You're gonna work for it. So that's what I like, and you know how it is when you're recruiting someone, you have to tell them everything they like to hear, and Coach Singer didn't do that. She was real from the start. So for me, how I am, I'm real. I like to hit things dead on. I don't like to, I don't like to go around things. I don't like to be lied to. I'd rather take the truth and handle it that way, and she was dishonest honest with me, so that stood out, and then also Chelsea Lee and April Sykes was there. I played AU with them for two years with Essence Basketball, so they were there already so it was just like look i'm going to family anyways and they already like a family so it was just it was just undeniable like it, i <laughs> i had to commit you know it, it just felt so, so right even though you know yukon uh maryland georgia uh south carolina Clipson, every everybody in the country was recruiting me but nobody stood out like she did
0: and, and you know look obviously steviv she she impacts everyone she meets, right? You you mentioned it, you know, a Hall of Fame coach. Her her accomplishments are plenty, right? You can go down the list of, of all the all the things she's accomplished and will still accomplish going forward. But what was your personal relationship like with her? You know, how did she help you grow both on the court and and ultimately off the court too? Um,
1: ultimately, man, Viv is like everybody thinks that she's mean and she's tough, but she's a softie man. She's a- She's definitely a coach first and then she would yell at you, you know, and say you didn't do this right and do this do this right. But after after the practice, she'll love on you. She'll give you hugs like so it's like you wanna be mad at her but you can't because she's gonna embrace you with open arms no matter what, whether she yelled at you or not, whether you're mad at her or not, she don't change. And that's the motherly that's in her that everybody loves. And like you saying, you can't deny that, you know. So my relationship was with her like a lot of people will get around her and be up, uptight and just feel like they can't be themselves or be like a playing or joking. Everybody think they need to be serious around her. When it's like, no, she's human too. Like you don't always have to be serious. So I always joke around, always play, always try to make a dance, always just try to make a smile because everybody around her is just so serious and it's just like you don't have to be serious all the time. Yeah, I know you guys respect her, but she's human too.
0: Yeah, and you know, look at your four years at, at Rutgers. You know, you made three NCAA tournaments. And you were part of some really great Rutgers teams, right? You know, how much fun was it having all the success you guys had as a team, and how memorable were some of the runs you made during those NCAA tournament years?
1: Oh man, like I will never forget it. I remember when we played my um, NCAA, we played Gonzaga away, and uh, I think I had a really good game that game. And I don't know, man, it was just amazing just to be able to say I went I know I know that we didn't go far, but. It was just amazing to say I played in the w, the, the NCAA you know, tournament. They actually played well. And, you know, and that's around the toughest times. Like, it's, it's pressure. It's a thrill that you can't – you will never feel unless you're in it. And it's, it's definitely sticking around. It's definitely still in my heart. And I, I definitely miss those days because that's some of the best basketball.
0: You know – after your college career is done, you didn't hear your name called on draft night. Ultimately, and mm-hmm. while I'm sure that was upsetting, how was how motivating was it for you to you know now you have to go out and prove to all the organizations that they ultimately made a mistake passing on you.
1: Everybody knows that I lost my mom right before my senior year, so you know I had a chip on my shoulder. And, and although I, my name didn't call, but what I will say is, C Viv, you know, never let me quit. I didn't want to come back. I told, her, I said, Coach, I'm not coming back to school. I don't know why I'm doing this because ultimately I went to school to make my mom proud, play basketball to make my mom proud. And I told her I wasn't coming back. She flew down to Miami and was like, eat up, let's go. You got to come back to school. We promised your mom that you would graduate. Basketball will take care of itself. You know, you use it as your outlet. So she came and got me. The next couple of days I was on the flight back to school because I wasn't coming back. And we had to fulfill my mom's promises. She was just like, you know, your mom means everything to she, you. She's watching you more than ever. So if you just give up right now, you're gonna disappoint her. So when she put it in perspective that way, like I came back to school and I just went at basketball and school, just you know as hard as I can. And yeah, although I wasn't, my name didn't call, but I felt myself get better. And that senior year, and I think I think my numbers were my my senior year was my best year of numbers. So yeah, my name didn't call, but I ultimately you know fulfilled the promise that I made my mom.
0: And, you know, look, your name didn't get called, and you really had quite the journey to get to where you are now. You know, mm-hmm. to start, you know, you you played overseas, Turkey, Puerto Rico, Brazil. In those mm-hmm. seasons playing in the other countries, was there ever a time where you said to yourself, you know, maybe uh, the WNBA, excuse me, just wasn't meant to be?
1: I, I wasn't even thinking about it. My main thing was to just get back to what I love. Because, I, I, like I said, I went back to school to graduate because that's what my mom wanted. So basketball, I... I it was really just my outlet. And I was just like, I don't want it to just feel like my outlet. This is what I love. This is my passion. So me taking $200 a week wasn't about the money because I was working at a job, at a drug um, abuse um, facility for young kids where I was making 1500 every two weeks. So to take less money, it wasn't about the money because I was making good money at the time. It was about me getting back to what I love and what's my passion, and what makes me happy on a day-to-day ba- basis. So... It wasn't about the $200. It was about me playing, and I wouldn't trade it. If I had to do it all over again, I'll take those $200 again just to get me back to where I am today.
0: And, you know, Erica, you get a call while you're overseas from the Atlanta Dream, right? They want to bring you in on a tryout. When you get that call and and you get that opportunity to really show your talents to a WNBA team, what's going through your mind at that moment? You know, how excited are you to get that opportunity?
1: First off, you're nervous as hell (laughs) because... (laughs) You know, like, that's the that's every basketball player's ultimate dream is to play in the WNBA. Whether you get a tryout, whether you get your name called, it's whatever, anything affiliated with it, I'm pretty sure you're going to be nervous. So I was nervous, but my main thing was to go as hard as I can at everything I do. And whatever he asked me to do, do it 100%. Even if I don't know what I'm doing, just effort. Just Even if I don't understand it, just bring out the effort. And that's what I did. I just came and just. I remember one of the practice guys who was there in Atlanta. I don't remember his name. And when I came and I practiced, and he told me after practice, he was like, yo, you just came and changed the whole energy. You just switched the whole energy. And I was just, I didn't know, I didn't even know what he meant at, at the time. Like, what do you mean I switched the energy? But when I had a conversation with him later, he was just like, how hard you going, you're not backing down, you're aggressive, you're moving fast, you know the game. He was like, you do your energy, your presence, you know, just switch everything. So from that point, I just tried to keep that energy And just play hard. And, then you know, Angel was the one, you know, went to Coop, was like, no, we need this kid. You know, and for a vet to say that about somebody who wasn't even drafted, uh, you know, one of those players that you just find, like, man, she may be good, but we don't know if she's that good. But I was one of those players, like, I don't know if she's going to be good, but I was actually pretty good. And So for Angel to say that about me, it was pretty awesome.
0: And, you know, after that, you you go to the Liberty for a little bit and then find your way Mm -hmm. to the Indiana Fever, the team you're currently with. You know, Mm -hmm. since you've joined Indiana, it seems like you've really taken off and have become a real regular, not only around the team, but the WNBA. You know, what's been so special about the Fever organization that has really helped you break out and become a WNBA star?
1: I mean, Steph, I mean, well, KK. KK is um, the GM. When when I got the call, I was like, uh, I, I told my agent, I was like, this is it. Like, I feel it. Like, for whatever reason, like, I just felt like this would be my home. Like, before I even got here, I didn't know what to expect. I didn't know anything. So I didn't know anything besides me going on Google to see who's all on the team and stuff like that. But before I even got here, I was like, this is it. This, this, This is my stop. Because it just felt right. I don't know why it felt right. It just felt so right. And just being here these couple of years and just learning from the vets and then me being a vet, it just, you know, just all about growth and having Breon in front of me and then having Steph, which is a great coach, and believing in me after a couple of games as a rookie, starting with Breon January when everybody thought I was going to be playing behind her, but I ended up starting with her. So it's just been an amazing journey, just being able to get that opportunity and then really take advantage of it.
0: Already in your WNBA career, you've accomplished so much and you still have, you know, the whole rest of, of your career in mm-hmm. front of you. 19th undrafted free agent in WNBA history to score 1,000 career points. You're closing in on 400 assists. Where you are now, I guess. How gratified are you with your career? Because look, you didn't start in a traditional way, but you've mm-hmm. become so successful.
1: For me, like I'm, to the it's to the point where like pokey's like eat up. You don't always have to be so humble. Like embrace whatever's in front of you. Like you're working hard for you know what you're getting, so embrace it. I'm just so humble, and I don't I don't know how to like. It's weird for me. I don't know. I I don't. Sometimes I just don't know how to embrace it. You know because. I know this is my job. I'm supposed to work hard at it. So when I accomplish something, I'm just like, yeah, it's okay, because at the end of the day, in my mind, this is my job. But I think I have to, you know, sometimes have to sit down and be like, look, you didn't take the route that everybody else took. So, like, it means a lot. So when you do accomplish these things, so I just, like, my teammates really put it in perspective. Uh, Candace it was like, like, I understand that, you know, you're accomplishing 1,000 points and you didn't get drafted. Most people who don't get drafted don't touch the court. So you to accomplish these, you know, these points and get close to these assists like that—that that means you've been playing, you've been working hard. So you gotta embrace it, and, you know. So and I, and I don't have a selfish bone in me, and I don't know how to be like that. So I just think that I just need to really embrace it and 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 take it all in. You know, and they really enjoy it, and I will at some at some point. And I think uh, tomorrow night, I think they maybe announce it and give me a ball or something. I don't know, but I don't know. Maybe at that moment it'll hit me, but it's still, I still feel like I'm 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 not done. Like it's something else, and maybe I need to have the ball in my hand to really feel it. But I'm still just like, yo, know, I just want to get a win. I don't even not even care about the thousand points or the <laughs> four hundred. You know,
0: Rutgers as a whole, such a storied women's basketball program, and you know, mm-hmm. so many of your teammates and Rutgers alumni have made it to the WNBA. You play with one in Cappy Pondexter, you know, mm-hmm. a, a former Rutgers player, now plays in WNBA. She has just, you know, an incredibly storied career in the WNBA. What's your relationship like with Cappy and, and what is it like to play with and against, you know, so many former teammates and fellow mm-hmm. Rutgers alumni on any given night?
1: Well, the Rutgers alumni and the current Rutgers player, we're all sisters, even if we don't know each other. If you win the Rutgers, and I see you out. Look, we can be out in the mall. You say you're in the Rutgers and you play for c I'm giving you a hug. And then the whole conversation is switching because being there and, uh, you know, being around the older alumni, there's always been a sisterhood. They always embraced us as, as we were sisters. And me and Kathy, we were like sisters. We fuss. <laughs> we talk, mess. You know, we hug. And just being able to play with her, you can see the same energy and where, where I get it from and that toughness, where we get it from because we kind of are the same people. And you know, and she viv instilled that that in us. Like when we were there, we were tough. We weren't letting nobody do anything. So to play with her is amazing because her, her basketball mind is crazy. Like she knows the game inside and out. You know, and then it's, to be able to play with her and normally we went to the same college, that's pretty amazing. And then someday I'm pretty sure she's gonna be a Hall of Fame, so I get to say I went to the same school with her. She's my big sister and I played with her. I mean what more can I ask for?
0: And, you know, look, you, you still have, you know, such a long career in front of you in the WNBA. Mm-hmm. Do you, I guess, sort of have a, a WNBA wish list that you hope to accomplish before your career ends? And, and if so, you know, what are the, some of the things that you, that you hope to achieve by the time, you know, you retire?
1: Oh, most definitely. Rule number one, I want to win a championship. And then that doesn't, you know, <laughs> comes overnight. And also, I want to be an all-star, you know, and just... Leave my legacy of that player that didn't get drafted, that made the WNBA, worked their way up, and didn't, didn't look back from then, you know? So just leave that out there and just be known as one of those players that always play with passion and play hard, play hard and, you know, with speed and always having fun. And if you, I know you guys watch the game. I'm always laughing, I'm always dancing, I'm always happy because I try to. My my energy is really contagious. So when I'm laughing and dancing, you can see everybody else start laughing and dancing. It's, you know, and everybody knows that it's the it's point where you need to be serious. And even still, I know how to be serious, but I also know how to have fun. Because at the end of the day, like it's 144 of us in this WNBA. We live in a dream. Whether we're winning and losing, we ain't winning. we only won five games. I can be around here mad as hell, but why would I be that when I'm still part of that 144? I'm still living the dream. It's people out here in the world that want to be in my position. I'm mad because we're not winning. Yeah, I want to win. Of course that, but I'm not going to go around moping when I'm still living my dream. People rather be living this dream losing and versus out there, not in the WNBA, doing anything. I'm, I'll take it. I'm, I'm not mad at all.
0: And, and, you know, Erica, one more before we let you go. You know, we, we've talked extensively, obviously, about what you've done on the court. But what you do off the court perhaps is your greatest achievement. You know, you started the Wheeler Kids Foundation. Talk about what you aim to accomplish through the foundation and some of the things the philanthropy does to benefit the youth.
1: No, for sure. Like, I I definitely want to get out in the community in Indiana as well, not just in Miami, but I know for me I have to start in Miami because I can't go out in Indiana and, you know, go out in the community and give them, you know, what, you know, that Miami gave me. So I started in Miami first just being able to do, you know, help single parent moms and feed the homeless and of, of course hopefully accomplish something else. I want to do a back to school backpack um, giveaway. I want to do a girls basketball camp for girls and boys. I just, it's, a lot, it's a lot of things that I want to get done but it's just no time being from, having to go from the WNBA to overseas. But I know at some point I'll have so much time where I'll be able to just attack the community and just get out and just, you know, give the community back the, the love that they need. And, you know, because they need us. They, we have the platform. This is what kids, this is a kid's dream. So if we out in the community showing them that, you know, we were just one of you guys and now we're here, you know, kids look up to that. And I think it's pretty amazing for us to get out in the community to do those things.
0: Erica, it was a real pleasure talking to you. I look forward to watching your season the rest of the way and your career play out in the WNBA and I wish you and the rest of the Indiana Fever uh, the best of luck uh, through the rest of your season. Thank you so much for coming on and spending some time with me today.
1: Of course, man. We I mean, Rutgers, man, anything for my <laughs> Rutgers family, man, anytime. If, if, my, if Kev tells me that Rutgers need me, I'm coming. If it's somebody else, I don't know, I may have to think about it. But you know it's <laughs> supposed to
0: be loyal <laughs> <we laughs> to that Scarlet. We certainly are both Rutgers alumni, and, uh, again, good luck the rest of the way. And uh, good luck, you know, as you, the rest of your career plays out. Uh, thank you so much for coming on. And, of course, you know, I'll say it before I'm sure you do, you know, go Scarlet Knights. Uh-huh, of course, go Scarlet Knights. Now it's time for Lance's final take. First, I want to thank Erica for giving me some of her time and, and what a story she has. You know, for all that she's accomplished, she is just such a humble and selfless person. You know, she bounced around not teams but countries, Brazil, Turkey, Puerto Rico, before getting her chance to make it in the WNBA. And as soon as she got that opportunity, she made the most of it with the Indiana Fever. You know, got cut by the dream, didn't make it with the Liberty, but she hooked on in Indiana and has really made the most of it and, and become a real star in the WNBA. And when she talked about her Scarlet Knight days, you know, this is what, what struck me most. She, she mentioned how after losing her mom, Coach Stringer traveled to Miami, talked with her and convinced her to come back to school. She didn't want to come back to school. After what had happened with her mother and how much her mother meant to her, she didn't want to come back to school. But Coach Stringer went to Miami and told her that she needs to finish her degree for her mother. She needs to set out and accomplish her goal for her mother. And what that did really helped change the course of, I think, Erica's life. Who knows what happens if she doesn't come back to school? Does she go play abroad? Does she drop basketball altogether? But she came back to school, finished her degree, graduated in four years, goes to play basketball overseas. You know, adding to that, she mentioned Coach Stringer's soft side. You know, people think she's mean and rough and tough. And yes, you know, we've seen it plenty. Coach Stringer definitely might yell. But she's also the first one after practice to give hugs. And, and, and we've seen it with Erica. You know, Coach Stringer is someone who, you know, really relates well to the players and is there for the players when, when they need her most. Erica has really a a true never-give-up attitude and is a perfect representation of Rutgers. She represents everything you want out of a Scarlet Knights women's basketball player and everything that ultimately comes with playing for C. Vivian Stringer here on the banks. Follow SB Nation on Twitter at OTB underscore SB Nation and you can find out when our next podcast is debuting.